Hello everyone and welcome back to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. Um, this is the pre-podcast bit. This is the bit where you have to listen to it before you get to the thing that you wanted to listen to. Unless you fast forward it, I suppose. But I beg you not to do that because what I need from you is ratings and reviews everywhere you go, everywhere you get your podcast. Because it really, really helps grow it. Um, this week's guest was me, me, your host, Mark. Uh, as you know, Matthew's joined me as a co-host now, um, so I th- thought it would be only fair that we share our hopes and dreams with each other, uh, no, that he knows the answers to these questions. The movie I chose is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which is an absolute love letter to slasher movies, and um, I hope that you really, really enjoy the episode. The only thing you need to know going into this is, smash through windows! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast hosted by me, Mark, and him, Matthew. Greetings. <laughs> Changes every week. Uh, each week we meet and discuss horror movies with a guest and they tell us their horror history or just the two of us chatting about horror movies. It's a horror movie podcast. I already said that. Um, although this week it's something completely different. It is the two of us. Um, but I'm going to do the guest portion and answer all those lovely questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been turned on you now. Yes, yeah. I want to sort of address with everyone why I would wanting to do this because I know I've been going oh, 100 episodes. I'll do that, but actually feel like um, it makes more sense that since I know all your answers, then it better that i say mine and then i don't have to hold back on stuff either in in future episodes uh, in case i reveal all my uh, truths now um, if over the time though a few of these have slipped out yeah are you sticking with those those answer or have you given backups uh I, to be honest i don't know what i've said over the, over the time um i think what i think what i said is the first horror movie i've seen is a stayed the same but there are some yeah you can't really change that one can you that's that's set in stone i suppose i could argue the toss that i saw gremlins first but um (laughs) i don't know if it counts um anyway well uh, i guess we'll find out together yeah so um do we uh, do we need to do weather chat be it just weather i don't know i think can can we force banter i'd i'd we could attempt to I'm not sure um this is all new this this is just the two of us yeah yeah um, this, this feels like the early days when i was but a, a mere guest yeah yeah um no we could we we could attempt to force some kind of banter out of each other um although i think we've sort of agreed to stay away from the um the the divide of the roses so i, don't know. Oh, I have to because i am i am going to yorkshire tomorrow so I have to be careful what I say, otherwise I'll I'll get hit. Yeah, you might do. Yeah, you might get um you might get gently tapped on the shoulder, um or offered a slightly too hot cup of tea. 
Oh dear. Yeah, can't be having that. <laughs> so, I reckon let's let's dive in then. Yeah, because that was sort of forced, wasn't it? It was a bit forced, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's so, go uh, mad. What is the first horror film that you can remember seeing? So yeah, the first horror movie that I can remember seeing, which I'm sure I've revealed before, is Poltergeist. I saw Poltergeist when I was far too young, like most of the people that have come on the podcast, when I, I was probably about maybe eight years old. Now, I, I always claim that my sister forced me to watch it, but now I remember it, we were all there as a family watching it. It doesn't feel like a Saturday afternoon family movie, though. No, it doesn't. No. And it scared, it absolutely scared the life out of me. And I do. I, I didn't touch a horror film for years and years afterwards. Um, have you gone back since with it? Yes, yeah. I yeah. actually, I actually, re- I actually really like it. Um, and I think it's got a sort of like memory sense, if you will. So when I do watch it, it still freaks me out. Yeah. Um, even though a reflection, it's not all that scary. Um, it's it's actually ranked as one of the cursed movies, um, which is which is interesting because. Apparently, they used actual um, human skeletons, and there's a scene in a swimming pool where a girl gets surrounded by, you know, actual human skeletons. But um, apparently- wasn't it that they were cheaper to get them than fake ones? Yeah, Is that's that- true. Yeah, yeah. But I read, I watched, um, I watched. There's a there's a good um, series on Shudder called Movie uh, Cursed Movies, I think it's called. Um, and they were saying on there that actually that was pretty commonplace because. Yeah. Um, because like you say, you know, like replica human skeletons, realistic ones anyway, they're very expensive. Um, so, yeah. Do they talk about three men and a baby on that series? <laughs> no, no. no. That, that picture. I don't think that was cursed. I think there was, well, there was a, a ghost, wasn't there, in, in a frame. I saw people there. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good movie. I saw it, people claim. It's a good show, that. I think it's got Wizard of Oz on it, I think. The cursed film thing, it show is interesting, but it, nearly every time they come away from the end going, it's not cursed, it just shit happens. <laughs> um, yeah, so there you go, Poltergeist. So, well, he, he said that you didn't watch any for years after that, though. So when, when did you become a horror fan? Well, I would have always said that I went back in at Scream, which would have been like 1996, so I would have been 16. But I was reflecting on it, this week because obviously I thought oh, I'm going to have to answer these questions um, and I've never really I suppose given it that much thought because when I thought about it I have Scream was where I would definitely say that I was like oh you know I really enjoy this genre of movie but I remember definitely having seen The Fly and Alien and Hellraiser and American Werewolf in London um, but I guess i I suppose with American Wealth in London, I think I always thought it was a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that just had a really good wolf in it. Um, so I think I didn't mind body horror, but I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan of it sort of thing. And I definitely remember seeing Alien because I know my dad recorded it off TV um, back in those days. Um, yeah. And I remember hating the intro then. Do you do you take the tab off the uh, the cassette so that no one could tape over it again? Um, I don't recall ever doing that. No, um, I think I used to do that if they had recorded wrestling. 
Um, oh, of course. Because I didn't want anyone to record over 1994 Royal Rumble. Um, that is that Shawn Michaels? Was it Shawn Michaels? Maybe. No, I don't think it was. Um, I think he was later on. No, maybe it was. Hmm, not sure. I don't think we need to. It's not wrestling chat. <laughs> oh, well, you, you've set me off now because this, this was... Like, I, I used to remember my brother used to watch wrestling a lot at this time and, and uh, I, I, I kind of uh, sort of into it on the fringes. Uh, I think didn't really get into it properly until a bit later. Uh, uh, but it was... Uh, do, do, do. Oh, Lex Luger and That's, Bret Hart. There we go. Yeah, that was the one where they both went out together and they co-won the Royal Rumble. And I think they both fought Re- Yokozuna at WrestleMania afterwards. They did. Um, Bret Hart won the title but lost to his brother Owen in the same show. Wow, this has gone into wrestling talk real quick, hasn't it? Yeah, well, that's okay. I don't mind. You know, I've got a, I've got a fountain of knowledge. If there's one form of art that has more podcasts than movies, it's probably wrestling. Probably, We're, yeah. we're getting into an even more crowded field. Yeah, yeah. No, if it's wrestling, horror movies, or unbelievably Power Rangers, I'm all over it. Um, although I, Power oh, Rangers, no, not unbelievably Power Rangers. Power Rangers is the best. Really? Oh, no, no. I, I, I was. Yeah, I was a kid of the early '90s. I was all over Power Rangers. I, I still, in fact, have my original, uh, well, six Rangers figures back at my mum and dad's house. Awesome. I still watch it now, though, so... It's still got a couple of the Zords as well. That's awesome. Wow. Um, yeah. Let's I'll change. To, we'll have to get them home and get them on the uh, the podcast feed and also do a bonus episode on, on the movie. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Let's that talk would... Ivan Ooze. That would be awesome, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to do that. Um, so yeah but going back into it I would definitely say Scream Scream was and I actually think that maybe you said this that I think the reason it really dragged me in is was the whodunit of it it's a great it's a great aspect of it isn't it yeah yeah that was the that was the main thing that I was like oh this was brilliant and I watched it through and I was like oh I didn't figure out who that was at all because they were really good I thought misdirection and I remember watching it straight away again because I'd rented it from the video store. I watched it, rewound it, and watched it straight away again to see if I could pick out the, you know, the clues. Hints. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's awesome because they are there as well. It's like, uh, I like the way that they do that. So Scream was when I went, I like what's going on here. Do you think that you, because uh, I, I said something a bit similar, that it's sort of a build up and then it clicks. Like, do you think that that's that's sort of what happened to you? That you, you didn't quite realize you were a horror fan until sort of the road to Damascus moment, and you, you realized. Yeah, I think I think for sure. Yeah, and it hasn't. I've, I've I've ramped up so much more over the past few years. Uh, the amount of horror that I consume now is is ridiculous. But Scream was the moment where I thought I'm going to try some of the films that I never tried. Uh, so I went, you know, watched Nightmare on Elm Street, and because Nightmare on Elm Street was the one was one of the ones that I was staying away from because I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't need to see this because I'd seen the opening at some point. I think I'd put it on, and I saw at the opening of that. If you haven't, if 
people haven't seen it is is him as a human making the glove but it was just that was enough for me to go nope don't need to see this <laughs> <laughs> yeah i often find it a bit strange that so many of these films just carry these reputations i mean quite often the reputation's scary than the, the thing yeah. itself isn't yeah. it yeah you know, the 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 exorcist carries so much weight to it uh but i think you know certainly watching it with with new eyes it's like not don't get me wrong you know it's, it's a good film it's mm. a scary film but i don't think it's it's keeping anyone up at night anymore no no but sensibilities have changed in terms I think of the, movies uh, as well haven't they nobody's nobody i think people don't suspend disbelief as much as they used to we're not our minds aren't blown anymore no no i, I always remember when i was sort of an early teen uh the the silence of the lambs carried this, this enormous uh sort of weight of oh it's this this terrifying mm. thing and eventually i sat down to watch that and i thought right well i'm gonna watch it saturday lunchtime windows <laughs> open everything's bright i'm not gonna get bothered by this i remember just walking away from it just going that, that was just that was a police procedural <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've I've never considered it a horror film, really. Just I don't know, maybe just for that reason, it was so mm, I would... bigged up. And I think you're right. I just didn't really get to I the think you're right. I think the only thing is that Hannibal Lecter has a sort of horror icon about him, and I think that's that's what it is. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, I haven't actually seen Hannibal or Red Dragon, but I think there is. There, there's a horror film in conjunction yeah. with it, isn't there? Yeah. Actually, the last podcast that I, the one that I was on where we did um, Bloomhouse versus um, A24 on intoxicated masculinity on uh, YouTube, we did um, we did talk about this idea of the sort of where you draw the line at horror movies. Um, but I think I think yeah, and I think you probably agree with this. Is ultimately at the end of it, is if you consider it a horror film, then we'll say yeah, why not? It's very personal, anyway, isn't it? It you is. Can't... Yeah. You can't fake a scare. You know? No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can't. I, I can watch horror films and appreciate them, but I can't watch a horror film and pretend I was scared when I wasn't. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, yeah. So, well, actually, the segues are going great. <laughs> so, while we're on the sub subject of, uh. Being scared, what would you say is the scariest horror movie you've seen? Okay, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be a pain in the butt and give you three different answers. Okay, so okay, and and it, originally I would have said Paranormal Activity was the scariest movie I've seen, um, because at the time when I first saw it, and I've said this before on the po on the podcast, I watched it in the dark on a laptop on a CD that's on a DVD that someone had burned for me. And I think it was even before it came out in the cinema. Uh, I don't know how I got hold of that. So it had the original ending, not the Spielberg ending. Um, okay. It, it scared the shite out of me because um, it's got these, well, I've done it on the podcast, obviously, but it's, it's got these moments between scares Um or not even between scares, it's the nighttime stuff where subtly nothing happens and then slowly over time something does happen. So it just builds and builds tension all the way through. And it 
scared the, it scares the life out of me or it scared the life out of me uh well yeah as much as these movies can do i certainly went to bed you know turning the lights on in the house while i went round you know normally i'm one of these people who can just navigate yeah. navigate the place in the dark um uh, i was like oh, that <laughs> just make sure we get some lights on here to <laughs> i don't know yeah i say it all the time it's like no nobody believes in ghosts until you you know, it's midnight and you've got to go to bed and turn all the lights off and check all the doors are locked. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly they start feeling a bit more real, don't they? Yeah. Um, the other one is a Hereditary, which... Um, okay. Actually, I'm not sure now I've just said it that I found it particularly scary, but tense, uh, edge-of-the-seat stuff. Um, and I think that's all I, all I, I can really yeah, hope I think for. the... I think the last act of it is definitely panic-inducing, I'd say. It's so intense. Uh, but I, I think throughout the course of the film, it does... I won't say there's, there's all that much in terms of horror, really, is there, until it... But it, it lays the table for that, that third act. Yeah, yeah, which is definitely... The, the last third act's definitely the horror part of it. Um, but yeah, it just, just... Uh, there was there was a study done where to, to well to find out the the scariest film ever, they just made a lot of people watch horror films and strapped a heart rate monitor to them. Uh, and apparently, Hereditary was the scariest on on that metric. Uh, I think I think I read that, but I thought it came out as sinister. <laughs> but to be fair, I bet there's. Lords of them, and they all come out with something different. Yeah, right? yeah, they probably didn't have that one on there. But actually, what I'm going to say is the scariest film I've seen, and it still gets me a bit now. Is Hell House LLC, which was my, I think, my top found footage movie. Um, I think uh, you did, and as soon as you said that, I acquired it because I've never heard of it, right. and I'm yet to watch it. All right, so okay, yeah, that's needs to be done. Well, I'm. Do you know what? Because of that, I won't say too much about it but I will, what i will say is that the first time i watch it 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 it's hard to say scared because scared is you know i've, I've put this in as a question but everyone keeps saying and, they don't, and i can understand where they come from but for me if it's tens and it's got me on the edge of my seat that's scares for me um and hell house llc does that for me um and i Watched it again recently, and um, yeah, it does the same thing. And I've just dipped into, I'm on the third sequel for it, which um, is not quite as good, but I'm all right with it. But yeah, that would be that would be my scariest movie. Okay, well, so I'll, I'll definitely watch it, and uh, we'll we'll revisit this at a later, you'll pro- a later podcast. You'll probably hate it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but well. What then are we saying for best kill? Right. Um, there have you. There's a movie called Hatchet. I've forgotten what the killer in it's called. That's very bad of me. Oh, Vic, Victor Crowley. It's Victor Crowley. Um, yeah. So there's a movie called Hatchet, and the the main killer in it is Victor, Victor Crowley. It's sort of actually sort of a horror-ish comedy. Um, I'd recommend anybody seeing it as well. It's um, certainly um yeah it's it, like i say it, it, it's a good film and anyway uh one of the kills in that um there's a um 
on old a couple there and they start going towards this house where everyone's like look don't go there because it's obviously a very scary house um and anyway the um, this victor crowley shows up and he kills the old guy and then this old woman he basically um sort of tears her head in half from the from the mouth and so takes the top of it okay. takes the top of her head off so then you basically all you see is bottom jaw and tongue and uh, <laughs> i just really enjoyed it i was like this is <laughs> this is good practical effects right here and uh, as kills go you know it's a, it was it's a really good one i mean i will also cite the one that um alistair said actually which is the one in texas chase on massacre um yeah you know but I wanted to give some of my own answers to this. So uh, that's certainly one that I've remembered ever, ever since watching it. Um, there was a, there was a very similar kill in uh, the Foo Fighters film, Studio 666. Oh, really? Yeah. And I, I was toying with putting it on mine, uh, where basically Dave Grohl throws a symbol and it goes right through Taylor Hawkins' head at the same place. Ah, right. And... Uh, yeah, I thought that that was uh, that was high up there. I think I don't know, just something about a head being cut into is. Yeah, I think I really appealing horrifically. <laughs> I think I really enjoyed that the tongue was still there, um, but um, yeah. Hatchet. If people out there haven't seen it, is a really good slasher movie. It's funny. It's got some good uh, cameos in it. Um, Actually, it's got loads of cameos in it. It's got um, Kane Hodder, Robert England, Tony Todd. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it sounds a little bit similar to what we're going to be talking about in a bit as well. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the kind of film I like. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that shortly. But, uh, before that, uh, what are you saying for the standout effects? Well, obviously, American Werewolf and The Thing. Because uh, yeah. I want to give the right answers, um, but what I'm going to dip into is uh, again two answers. So I've got Hellraiser, um, Hellraiser. Okay. For the bit where um, he basically um, he rebuilds himself from from nothing. Yeah. So when the sort of veins and sinew and everything sort of start rebuilding themselves back together i always thought was a really good effect i watched it recently and it wasn't as good as i remembered it being um but it still for the time was was amazing and i remember really really enjoying it i do remember just hellraiser as a film i I did watch it fairly recently last five years or so and uh i was shook by just how it's just not the film you expect it to be (laughs) Like for so much, it's no. It's this strange family drama, isn't it? Yes, so much of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a different film. You expect sort of Pinhead and all that, but actually, they're not a huge part of the movie. Um, no, very small amount of it actually. And there's a poor, a very bad monster in it. Um, well, not a great looking monster, but some of the the actual Cenobites in it look great. The makeup for those is really good. Um, yeah, yeah, costuming as well. Yes, yeah, it's really it just a, it's just a, a great movie for effect. Um, like I say, when I watched it back, I, I forgot that some of it was like in stop motion, and I think as much as stop motion is good, you can tell when it is, um, yeah, when it's there, and so that that was like 
you know, not as good. But the other one I'm going to say is actually The Exorcist, which uh, I know Andy mentioned The Exorcist. And I don't necessarily, maybe it's not a Fexist, but don't necessarily mean the sort of um, makeup for Reagan and stuff like that. But I think the way that they, um, they made the bed move and stuff like that and for that movie, the way that the room is obviously an icy temperature, and I always feel when you're watching it, it you feel like the room's an icy temperature. It's very visceral. Uh, yeah, isn't it? and it just as as effects go, it really like stands out to me as like you know this makes me feel how I'm supposed to feel, sort of thing. The other thing that um, was is quite interesting, and I don't this really doesn't count as effect. I'm I'm clutching at straws really, is that. Father Merrin, who is the old preacher in it, was actually 43 at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Max von Sydow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, was, I mean, was... the fact that they made him look like a 70 year old, yeah, man, I think it was like, wow, that's impressive. He, he looked older there than he did when he actually died, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's impressive. Now that is good effects, yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I was. I was I didn't realize that until recently. Um yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> and I would I would probably say then just to segue it spectacularly again that that uh, was also a movie that, that shouldn't have had a sequel <laughs> but did. Yeah, that's true. And are there any others that uh, that need a sequel or need to stop making sequels? I want Gremlins 3. Um Yes. I really want Gremlins 3. That would be my choice for a sequel. Um and that's what I'm going to go. I support that. That's what I'm going to go with. And I don't want a reboot. I want Gremlins three. <laughs> um, no reboots. I think the the nature of it, you can yeah, just you don't need the cast necessarily again, do you? Just oh, I think Phoebe Cates is still alive, isn't she? And well, if you can get them, all the better. Yeah. I don't think it's a deal breaker. To no, a, no, a good Gremlins three. As long as we get. Um, Gizmo, I think. Yeah. Um, Gizmo and... And not CGI. We need a, a proper cuddly Gizmo. Yeah. I vaguely want to see Gizmo in a, as a gremlin. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if they would do that, but I sort of want that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would choose Gremlins 3. And for no more sequels, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which should have stopped at the second one. Um, yeah. Because they haven't, they haven't had a good sequel well, yeah, like I say, since the second one. And the second movie, Toby Hooper only made because they made him. And he was like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll make it a comedy. So he did. Um, so the second movie is completely different to the first one. I mean, it is a bit, there's still quite a, it's quite a lot of gore in it. But it's a totally, totally different movie. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't enjoyed a Texas Chainsaw Massacre since. Well, I never even used to like the first one, but doing this podcast... And watching it again, I've really come to appreciate it. But yeah, no, that that one because the most recent one was absolute dog shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> we I actually watched that one uh, just to record a bonus episode of this, and we never, and it never happened. No, so we never even worse. We never so, we never got to it. No. Yeah. <laughs> Get that movie in the bin. Yeah, I think that might be part of the reason we didn't record it. Was like. <laughs> we really want to yeah. talk about how bad this movie was i remember i wrote i had my notes for it and it was pretty much just 
the only thing I could think of to write was just okay, boomer. <laughs> that that was all I could think of for the film. Uh, I think the only, the thing I really hated about it was it it seemed to have the name but nothing to do with it, and that was what really bugged me. Apart from going, oh, this woman was was in the original one, was she? Yeah, they, they tried to Michael Myers Leatherface as well. Didn't yeah, they? I didn't. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. So yeah, no more of those, please. Yeah. Yeah, let's move on swiftly and try and forget about yep. it. So this is one of the ones that I'm, I'm pretty sure you've given the answer before. Okay. Uh, so well, what's the favourite franchise? Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> <laughs> you've said in the past. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm consistent. Yeah, Friday the 13th. The only one I don't like is the ninth one. Um, but every single one of them I'm quite happy with. Um, and one of the reasons I like the Friday the 13th films is they always spend enough time with the campers before the killings that you can sign up to liking a couple of them, disliking a couple of them, you know, and really sort of getting to grips with the actual characters before the killings happen. And while they're very, very basic films that follow exactly the same plot, um, I like them. You know, I really like them, and I even like the fifth one, which I think I've said before, which isn't even Jason, even though it's someone in a Jason mask the whole time. So, um, and there's some slight inconsistencies in plot details, but yeah, I really like them, and I love the sixth one as well. Which, um, if you don't know, the sixth one's where they actually becomes more supernatural. They actually, yeah, she gets accidentally brought back to life um, with a lightning strike, um, which is. What about the uh, the Freddy and Jason? Yeah, I don't mind that one. I don't mind that one either. The only thing I don't like about that one is um, Jason in Freddy's world, but I know they had to do that. Um, but sort of in that, they sort of make out that he's a scared little little boy, which he's moved well past that. I don't think he has dreams about anything now, apart from... I don't think he has anything. He just keeps killing people. Um but yeah, no, I like them all. Like I say, even including uh, Jason X, uh, which I think is just a fun romp. It's a bit of a bit puntastic. Um, but yeah, now the only one I don't like is uh, the ninth film, which I don't know if you have you seen that one or? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, no. no. It, what about the reboot as well? Is that that was it was fun. I think it was fine that one. I sort of don't. The only problem I think I had with that one is it, it's got a really long opening and then you move into a second set of kids and it's like, we didn't need this. But yeah, no, the ninth film, they try to do this thing where for some reason Jason's a parasite and then he can move from one person to another and he's got a sister or, you know what I mean? It's like, for me, it feels like yeah. when you're watching it and if you ever do get around to watching it, it feels like, Someone had written a script. They didn't know what to do with it, so they just slapped Friday the Thirteenth on it, um, and that's it, it, that's why it frustrates me so much. Because there's some good acting in it and some good performances, but as a Friday the Thirteenth movie, it's just <clears throat> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, I might avoid that one. I don't know. You've not taught me round to it. <laughs> We'll probably get round to doing the Friday the Thirteenth franchise at some point. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we will. But. If uh, God, I'm getting on, so I'm so good at this. So, is the uh, the ninth Friday the 
15th the worst horror film or is it something else no there's something else um i'd say that the ninth friday the 13th is probably my worst movie with a budget um but i watched a film recently called paranormal prison and it was absolutely the worst horror film i've ever seen in my entire life and it sounds quite bad the thing is, right, they set it, it's a found footage sort of movie and they set it up as it being like a, a YouTube channel where they have a scientist, a scientist and a skeptic, right, which is fine. The acting in it is fine. Uh, but And the scientist has this thing that she set up where if like a ghost appears, a blue light will come on to whatever this machine she's got. So I'm sat there thinking, ah, oh, this is clever because they've got no budget or very little budget for effects and stuff like that. They're gonna they're gonna give you ghost without actually having to do it because they've set up this thing. I'm like, that's a good idea for me. That's a great idea because you 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 only need the idea that it's there. Um, so I'm with that. Um, but then as the movie progresses and they've got this fantastic set, this like abandoned prison. Um, well, I guess it's not set like location, which is like this abandoned prison, and then when they start getting into the spooky stuff of it, instead of using this thing that they've got, they start like, it's not even superimposing, just like putting in stills of the ghost that they think they're finding, like they're just flashing towards the screen. And it's like, what, what's this? What are you doing now? <laughs> and it was just really, to me, it was just, spank- it was just very, very lazy. Like they, they got so far with it and went, ugh. Let's just do this. It's easier. Yeah. Easier. Um, and the ending, the ending was annoying because it was one of those endings where actually nobody dies in it, which is fine. Um, it was one of those endings where the they met someone at the end at the, at the prison and he was like, Oh, who who showed you around? It was like, Well, this guy's like, Oh, he hasn't worked there for 50 years. Oh, <laughs> And I, it's like a bit in Friends, isn't it? Yeah. And I just Joy's big break. Yeah. And I just watched it and I was like, fucking hell. What a load of crap. I mean, I tried to watch these things all the way to the end, but that was just Yeah. And I'll give a shout out to Watcher in the Woods as well, which I really hate too. <laughs> but not as bad as Paranormal Prison. I'm surprised you didn't mention the Frighteners after uh, uh after last week um no because no i don't know michael j fox doing a lot of heavy lifting don't, don't get me into the frighteners <laughs> <laughs> no we, we we did that one yeah you know. uh, and i think i almost have to apologize to listeners on that one because i had just come off a night shift so while you were talking a lot of the time i was like very spaced out <laughs> um so I don't think I said as much as I should have done about that film. And there were bits of it that I didn't particularly hate, but by the end of it, I was tired and annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on then to the, uh, the last question of the, uh, the first slice of bread. And uh, what's your favorite horror film? Uh, Jaws. Um, I'm choosing Jaws. Um, I know it's a PG movie and some people don't like, to think of it as a horror movie, but to me, it absolutely is. Um, it, it, it is. Yeah. Um, I think there are, I could 
pick a favourite out of every genre. But like I said, again, with Alistair, as far as movies go, Jaws will always be at the top 10 of my absolute list, you know, including every um, yeah. genre, subgenre, whatever it would always be at the top of my list. So Jaws is absolutely my favourite. But I have a very soft spot for the movie you're about to talk about. <laughs> okay, then. Well, let's get into it. But first, what are you putting as your filling in this particular horror sandwich? Um, I think I'll have cheese and pickle. Oh. Branston. The plowman's himself. Has to be plow- um, Branston, though, please. Okay. Well... As it's a horror sandwich, maybe we'll just have to give you like daddies or something instead. Oh no, <laughs> that, that's how we're going to ruin it for you. <laughs> Off-brand pickle, poor man. To be quite honest, if you put good a good pickle in it, like a fancy caramelized onion, I wouldn't like it then either. <laughs> okay. What about the cheese though? Do, do we, what if we give you bad cheese, or is that uh, or like really good cheese, but not a cheese that goes with pickle? It's like a really nice brie or something. Ugh. I wouldn't like brie. There you go. <laughs> We're giving you a pre and a brie and daddy's pickle horror sandwich. Oh, I'm, right, I'm, le- <laughs> I'm leaving. Uh, but, right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the movie. Yeah. Then. Okay. So, uh, as as uh, anyone who actually checked what the episode was called before. Uh, we uh, before they start listening, we're going to be talking about Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon from two thousand and six. So it is directed by Scott Glosserman, who also wrote it along with David J. Stive, and the cast features Nathan Basil as Leslie Vernon, Angela Gothels as Taylor. I'm just going to call her Taylor because I can't read my own handwriting for the surname. Uh, Robert England as Doc Halloran. Scott Wilson as Eugene, Zelda Rubinstein as Mrs. Collingwood, uh, Kate Miner as Kelly, and Bridget Newton as Jamie. Uh, I actually wasn't able to uh, find this on any of streaming services, so we did have to purchase it. Uh, rented for about three pound fifty off Amazon, uh, and I had to buy it. Yeah, um, it used to be on Amazon Prime, but uh, yeah, well, sorry about that. Yeah, curse you, Bezos. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I wasn't actually able to find any budget information on it, but I uh, did see that at the worldwide box office, it grossed 69,136, which is absolute peanuts for movie talk, but it's found an audience since, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, it's got a bit yeah. of a cult. Um, yeah, so if you look at uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes reviews, there's a lot of them, so. People, people have seen this movie, mm. thankfully, because don't like seeing uh, people's hard work. She's not getting an audience. Yeah. You might be interested to know the only fact I actually know about this movie—not this movie, but one of the ac- actors—is that the girl who plays Taylor, she's the girl from Home Alone, who tells Kevin he's lazy and competent. Okay. I, I did see she was in Home Alone, so I did have a quick check of the cast, but I, I couldn't yeah. pick her from she's that one. She, me- memory. Yeah, she's she's the one who says, Kevin, you're the, what the French call lay in compétence. There you go. So that's interesting. That's fact. Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I did have a look at uh, the IMDb trivia page as well, and it is absolutely chock-a-block. Uh, oh, yeah. 
because this film is is very Easter egg heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I promise that if I mention any of the notes, they're the ones that I picked up first time of watching. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, and then if you if you do uh, look through them after, there, there are so many. It's I think it's even before we get into it, this film is a very clearly a big labor of love, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it uh, it does start with a young woman uh, who is taking out the trash at a restaurant, and while she's doing it, we see sort of some very usual horror tropes. Uh, she uses a brick to hold the door open, uh, and then while she's taking out the trash, we just see you know a little figure in the background, some rumblings here and there, and then. Apparently by itself, the door closes behind her and she tries to get back in, can't, uh, and then just runs off around the side. And then when we she does that, we see the title card appear mm-hmm. and cuts to a news broadcast. So it's for University News and we meet Taylor. And she's telling us about a town called Glen Echo. And she says, it's like any other town, uh, but they're appears to be an evil there like camp crystal lake elm street and haddonfield yeah and what a wonderful way this is to introduce the 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 film welcome to glen echo a picture postcard community that is itself representative of a thousand small towns found all across america But is there a brand of unspeakable evil set to shatter the serenity of this rural haven? The same brand of evil that has plagued a host of similar communities for the better part of 30 years. The stories are well known. At Crystal Lake, a madman named Jason Voorhees has killed dozens over the past three decades, leaving a devastated, deserted community fearful of his next appearance. Here on Elm Street, in the suburban community of Springwood, a murderer's repeated attacks have left a psychological scar so deep, some insist that simply dreaming about him can kill you in your sleep. Yeah. So it just puts these horror films as if they're they're true events, they're all happening in this universe. And, you know, these killing sprees that happen frequently, it just sort of stuff people are aware of and know about yeah it's uh, it, it, it's good it, it, i remember watching it for the first time and uh, it, at this point i was drawn in going oh wow they're 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 going straight into it saying <laughs> no no these things happen and i quite like that kane hodder is um one of the neighbors on elm street and he won't say anything i think that's a good cameo yes yeah and so after uh, so we do see those places, we find out that they are investigating sort of the the who, how, and why of these events, and they're but doing this by speaking to uh, a person who twenty years ago was uh, allegedly possessed by evil, thrown over a waterfall by an angry mob, and is now seeking revenge. Mm. And that is Leslie Vernon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's um I don't want to step on your toes, but obviously next thing we basically get this introduction to him. But they can't figure out where he is. Uh, and I think it's just a really great 
start to the movie, especially when you know you're going to get to it. But obviously, the more information you get, it's just um, it's it's really good. But I also think it's it's quite good that he's sort of using those horror tricks of the trade, yeah, just to introduce himself and to mess with them yeah. straight away, yeah. But yeah, we at this point we do we do meet Leslie. He shows up and uh, seems like a happy, smiley chappy. Yeah, uh, invites the uh, Taylor and the and the cameraman in, and so you just walk around his house. Uh, we get to meet his turtles, uh, who are Church and Zoe. <laughs> and I did this is one I picked. They are the animals that are revived in Pet Cemetery One and Two. All oh, right, yeah. Yeah, for, I, you're right. Oh, and you remember church, but huh. like when you said church, yeah. when you said it then, I was like, oh, yeah, that was the cat. But yeah, no, that's good. That I didn't pick up on that one. Well done. Well done. Well, you. I don't think enough people watch Pet Cemetery 2 for it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we also uh, get to see a library, which is just full of textbooks mm-hmm. uh, about anatomy and magic which again is just great. So you're introduced to this character as a budding serial killer. And, you know, we, we see him practicing, you know, anatomy just to, to do it well. Magic, which is sort of kind of gives us reason for, it, it makes other films better. It does. Yeah. When you think of this idea of Michael Myers sitting at home, reading a magic book so that he can, run away and hide without <laughs> appearing that he's running away and hiding. Yeah. And he has this, um, he has this great bit in there where he wants a pack of cards and he's like, uh, says to the cameraman, do you have a pack of cards? And he's like, no, like check your pocket. You want to see a magic trick? Sure. You got a deck of cards on you? Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, Doug, you got a deck of cards on you? Dude, why would I have a deck of cards? Check your left front pocket. What the? Holy fucking sweet. Todd, <laughs> what the fucking sweet. How'd you do that? And it's like, the thing with Leslie here is, um, one of the reasons I really like this film is that Leslie's so likable. Um, he's a bit he's a bit of a geek, you know what I mean? He's a bit of a, like, because it's the magic that he gets excited about. It's a try hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just this overall nice guy. And you're like, you know, it's... It's just so easy to like, very likable. Yeah, and uh, I say he gets interviewed uh, as part of this, uh, you know, this broadcast and this news, and he's asked if uh, he's terrorizing innocents, uh, if he's okay with that, and he, he says that you can't really explain the why of it. You sort of have to understand it inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has to show him how. And again, this this just comes into uh, another great bit. So they go to what he calls the old house, uh, which is where he was uh, a kid. The kids visit on the anniversary of uh, his death every year, which is, again, something that <laughs> is a trope uh, just in life, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Kids going to scary place on Halloween. Uh, and also, they, you know, they talk about how he does own the place technically, but it's with a trust and he can't claim to live there because that would give away that he's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> and then he tells us it's important because you need an anchor for the legend, which again, perfect, isn't it? All, all these 
horror films that they're riffing on, you know, uh, just the ones they mentioned, Camp Crystal Lake, Elm Street, you know, Haddonfield. Yeah, but all these things where it's just, um, yeah, like I say, it's just, it just just gives you, like you said before, it gives you all this, um, you know, like, it's more pleasing for the other films to think that all this stuff is set up and (laughs) thought out. Yeah, the, the, these, they're not psychopaths, they're just diligent, hardworking boogeymen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the strange charm to it. Yeah. But then, yeah, it cuts to him uh, with another another good bit. He's doing cardio. <laughs> you say he needs to do a lot of cardio because he frequently needs to run, but he can't get out of breath. And he also needs to do the thing where it, make it look like he's walking while everyone else is running. Yeah, I love I love that bit when he's but he's so out of breath going, you know how hard it is to make it look like you're, you're running, um, you know, you're walking. It, it's oh, I can't remember exactly now, but you know, it's basically that, you know. You've got yeah. to keep up with everyone while looking like you're walking. You have no idea how much cardio I have to do. It's ridiculous. Why so much? Well, you ought to be able to run like a freaking gazelle without getting winded. Plus, there's that whole thing of making it look like you're walking and everybody else is running their asses off. Oh, right. I gotta stay with them. Seen a couple of interesting TikToks actually recently where the people have set that up, you know, you know where they they have to try and get in a house uh, in a panic, you know, while being stalked slowly. And it, it's funny how like probably about seventy five percent of people don't actually get through the door. It's like it's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon uh, if you were you know just trying to uh, get your keys out and unlock a door, trying to do it in a panic, I imagine that those. Uh, does take a lot longer than you, you, well, you'd like anyway. Yeah. So I mean, it takes me ages just to unlock it anyway because I remember find the right key. You'd be dead then. I would. Well, I'd be dead long before I got up to the door. I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing cardio. Well, <laughs> uh, but it takes us on to step two from here, which is find a target group. And you know, he talks about how. You know, people think that serial killers just start obsessing over a girl. It's like, yeah, of course the girls are key, but you need a good supporting cast. You know, so he talks about how you've got to have a mix of sort of strong athletic types, but also, you know, just some schlubby guys just to get the numbers up. Uh, but most important of all, you need a survival girl and she has to be a virgin. You've got a girl picked out. Yeah. And this is when we move to uh, to a restaurant. And it's the same restaurant from the opening scene. And we see Kelly Curtis and he tells the uh, the rest of the cast that they're not allowed to speak to her under any circumstances. So, yeah, so they move to the restaurant from the opening and see Kelly, not allowed to talk to her, right. Cut. <laughs> so then we start with step three, which is the flyby. Yes. And we just get another rerun of the opening scene again, but we get it from behind the scenes. Yeah. So the brick that she used to 
uh, wedge the door open. That's actually wrapped in fishing wire, yeah. <laughs> which they pull out to get the door locked. Uh, we, you know, we see that he's just hiding in the woods, uh, popping out just to give her a little scare, not sure whether she's seen him or not. And uh, it doesn't re- replay it, but we get the result, which is went very well, and uh, they're all very happy. Yeah, it's good because I think he gets them involved, don't he? Because I think Taylor is the one who pulls the brick away. Yeah, he gets uh, Taylor to pull the uh, the brick away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's I, th- I I love that scene anyway because you get it at the opening and you're like, oh, this is pretty standard fare, and then to see it again from the other side of the of the camera, it's like, oh yeah, this works. Apart from the only thing I did think watching it this time is like, why wouldn't she notice there was fishing wire on the brick? But I suppose. <laughs> It's clear fishing way. He does make a point of that. <laughs> yeah, but it's still like. <laughs> anyway, you'd hope not. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, a very very brief moment. We just spot a guy going into the restaurant as well, but it cuts before we get a chance to see anything. Mm-hmm. And then it's the the well, we assume the following day, and uh, Leslie and Taylor are going to visit Eugene, who is an old pro who's now retired. Uh, so when they get to Eugene's house, they meet Jamie, who's his wife. And she tells them that Eugene is in the uh, the tank out back. So they they go out back and they find that Eugene's in a sensory deprivation tank, uh, which is buried underground. And he's been in there for three days. <laughs> and uh, we find out that they put themselves in this tank so that they can slow down all the bodily functions and can appear dead. Yeah. Which is great that's that's why serial killers keep coming back <laughs> even though they get killed at the end of every movie they're in yeah oh he's it's dead just again more practice yeah takes work so it takes it takes a lot of work and yeah we move them next to the kitchen and they're discussing said work and Eugene uh, comes in and he starts chopping up a carrot and just displays absolutely insane knife skills. (laughs) And uh, he talks about what it used to be like in the old days, saying that it used to be about quantity. And so you'd go, you'd knock off as many people as possible in a town and you'd move on and just get as many as you could do in a year. And then it also mentions about how there are always a lot of hacks that are always cheapening the work that they, they only get hit once and they get killed or arrested and mm-hmm. never come back. Yeah. And then mentions that Jason, Freddie and, and Michael change the game because they keep going back to the same places. Like they're a curse and saying they put so much work and more preparation into the job. Mm. I think Chucky gets a mention as well, if I remember rightly. I think there, there is a mention of Chucky somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember where. I didn't write it down though, so apologies. No, no, it's fine. It, it, it's fine. But again, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Um, to think that someone, there's some, another person out there creating his own law that he's a living doll. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing about Eugene is every time I've watched it, I can't quite, and I don't know if they are trying to do it, but I can't quite figure out who. He is like if they're trying to. There's, there is no exact one, is if there? If they're trying to like, nod towards who he might have been in the past, because I couldn't put my finger on it. I never have been able to. <laughs> and maybe, maybe he's not. No. 
What would you say is best guess? I wouldn't know because of the way he talks about it, the way it's like, you know, just almost like just one thing after another. I wouldn't I wouldn't have any dirt. I wouldn't have any clue. Yeah, well, I think do you think possibly then it's you know, catch all. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Going going from uh I get the feeling that there well, is a specific nod, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. Hey, listeners, if you uh if you do know, tweet at us. Yeah. Tweet at us at Creative Psychopaths. Yeah. <laughs> uh the at this point in the film though, we, we also get a bit more uh insight into why these guys do what they do and, and why they don't seem quite as unhinged as you would expect them to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, Eugene tells that, you know, all cultures have monsters and, and that they are needed because for good, you need evil. And they're, uh, they're actually sat around in uh, Eugene's living room when they're saying this. And another one that I did notice is that they have the Hellraiser box just on the coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> And while they're talking, they say that they need a red herring kill for, uh, you know, for Leslie's uh, plan. And red herring kill just someone near the target uh, that you know they they kill to uh, strike to show that it's related, but not the actual target. And they settle on the lady in the library that Kelly visits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Head to the library, and Leslie, in even more planning mode here, plants a fake news story as well as fake microfiche, uh, which basically elaborates the story that Leslie's mother uh, was raped and murdered and also links it to Kelly. And then they also, at this point, he mentions that a lot of the success or failure of the operation depends on what she does from here. Uh, so yeah, he tells us a story that that's planned and uh, it's d- designed to get Kelly to ask questions. Uh, so she's going to go to the librarian who will basically tell the story. And then once she does that, she'll say it's just a story. And then Leslie will strike. And this is the point where it moves from uh, sort of found footage documentary style to, to an actual out and out horror film. Um, what what do you make of that that transition? Um, well, when they do it later on, it's brilliant. At this point, it's a slightly jarring um, because we've been watching it from one point, and then they do that, and it's like, mm. you know, I don't mind when they do it later later on, um, which we'll get to because the switch is like a switch. Whereas here it's a bit, um, I mean, I don't mind because it's like, it's supposed to be them setting up a horror film. So it's fine. But um, like I say, later on, when we get yeah, to that, I, I'll, I talk, kind of... I'll talk about how how I enjoy the switch later on. But I, I didn't like it on my first viewing. Uh, and then when I watched it again, I did kind of think that, you know, like you said, the... The documentary bit is done, but in this universe, like these horror films are just happenings. This is what they look like. Yeah, yeah. So it, it made sense with the sort of the, the world they'd built there. 
So I was, I was a lot softer on it the second time around. Um, again, they also found it a lot uh, a lot less jarring. Yeah, but it is strange for it to jump from one thing to the other. But like you say, it's yeah. Sort of, yeah. But we get now to meet the, uh, the librarian, and it's, it's Zelda Rubenstein from uh, from Poltergeist, ah! and she's always always great to see. Always, because she's just such a unique woman. <laughs> <laughs> this tiny little thing with that voice, she's great. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's got such a presence. Yeah, yeah. it's. You, you can't define it. It's so strange, but so so great. Mm-hmm. And but the yeah, the librarian basically plays out the scene exactly how Leslie said it was going to. So she tells uh, Kelly the story. Says that Leslie was a son of rape, and he was abused, and he eventually revolted, killing his mother, uh, and then he was killed by the mob, which which we already knew at the start. Here we are. It's a wedding photo. Mr. and Mrs. Vernon on their wedding day. That's the first and last photograph you'll ever see of them. They were a strange couple. They kept entirely to themselves. After that night, nine months after that night, in fact, Molly Vernon gave birth to a bastard son. Oh my God. He was horribly abused. He was forced to live in the Siger house and driven like a slave to till the fields with only a hand size. One day, legend has it, the boy revolted. Beneath the blood-red harvest moon, he murdered Silas at the hand sites, buried his body in the fields, and dragged Molly from the house, hanging her in the farm's apple orchard. Uh, and then, just like Leslie said again, he pops up and he kills the librarian, which is a shame because we love Zelda. <laughs> and so he scares Kelly, but then Robert England shows up. It is Freddy himself. And yeah, so the uh say he, he takes a shot at, at Leslie, but Leslie escapes, does the uh, the diving around act, which is great physically. And then it uh, cuts to uh very excited Leslie uh on the outside. His his plan was great, uh, but he also found that he's got on himself an Ahab. Mm-hmm. For the uh, the Moby Dick readers among you, won't need to know what that is because you already will. Uh, but it's a, a character who is is basically good and he's you know doing whatever it takes to uh, to put out the evil, uh, which isn't really an Ahab. No, I was going to say because yeah. wasn't Ahab a bit of a brick? Yeah, that's how they describe it. But you know, Ahab's as you know character obsession, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's a bit of a. We'll cover that when we do the literary talk. <laughs> oh no! But we have to read some books. No, no, thank you. Uh, but we find out that the uh, the character Robert England plays is called Doc Halloran, which is a nod to The Shining. Yes. Uh, Danny Torrance, they call him Doc, don't they? And then Dick Halloran's there as well. And. 
he is basically just Doctor Loomis, isn't he? <laughs> I don't think he does he does anything different from that. No, he's very much Doctor Loomis. Yeah, that's all he needs to be. Uh, but at this point, uh, Taylor starts to. Uh, I think the seeds of doubt start coming here now, don't they? She she goes to Kelly's diner, and while they're there, Doc's also there, and uh, asks them why they're following Kelly. And basically says, look, Leslie's not who you think he is. Uh, he's actually called Leslie Mancuso. And he's from Reno, Nevada. And basically, this convinces Taylor to, to leg it. And when she does, Leslie's out there waiting for him. And he is very mad that they've spoken to Kelly. Because he's basically told him, that's your one rule. You don't interfere with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's worried that they're going to ruin his life's work. Uh, and also bemoans that there's no trust. And when Taylor asks if he's ever been to Reno, he gets very upset. Yeah, I like what I like about this scene is up until sort of even the fact that he's done a that he's done a mur- murder at that point, he's still sort of like Leslie, and it is almost like difficult to believe that he is this person. But he, he turns on a sixpence here, and it, he the actor's great at suddenly becoming very intimidating. Um, and I really liked it, you know, like. I also think part of that is that we, the the murder that we were aware of, you don't really see anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Like you, you never see him strike. You just see the body on the floor. Yeah. So again, you know, like, like you say, it's, it helps us keep him, keep us on his side. Yeah, but here, here you see, here you see that there's a person in there. There's a different person inside there. Yeah, the the serial killer part of it, isn't yeah. it? Just <laughs> parks itself out. Uh, but uh, later, Taylor and Leslie are sitting together, and he tells her that Doc Halloran is a shrink in Reno, and Leslie left there to go to Glen Echo and put this plan in place. And he also said that he put a restraining order on the, on the doctor so that, you know, if he did do anything about it, he'd get arrested. And this angers Taylor because, you know, the whole story is false. She's there under false pretenses. Uh, but she eventually agrees to stay and, uh, and see it through. So next day, uh, we get a walkthrough of the, uh, of the plan for, the uh, murder spree, yeah. Uh, we also get sort of tips and tricks for uh, for being, you know, a movie murderer. <laughs> uh, so he basically just tells you, know, restrict being inside as much as you can because it restricts your movements. Uh, never get yourself into a game of hide and seek. Uh, that the closet is sacred for for what they do uh, because it's like a womb, and that's where most people are innocent. And also that you've got to spread your time around all the peoples uh, involved because if you let them get away, then it's embarrassing, <laughs> namely, and also all hell will break loose. And though he says that the uh, the plan that he's got is going to be he will kill the couple that come upstairs to have a shag first, 
Uh, and then it'll stage the area so that the scene is controlled. If anyone comes in, they're not going to, uh, they're just going to think they're sleeping and not have anything to worry about. Uh, he's got control of the power with a little switch. Uh, so he's going to kill the power, lure another couple into the basement who are going to try and get horny. And then he will kill the man and he'll let the woman go because she'll be the starting gun for everyone else. And he also points out that the uh, has a tool shed, uh, but nobody can go in there uh, apart from Kelly. So if anyone does show up, that they'll get killed. And that when Kelly does go there, that she'll need to grab a phallic weapon uh, because that's a symbol of empowerment. And then takes us to the tool shed and all those phallic weapons are, are all rigged. So the axe has the handle pre uh, got a shadow cut in it so that if anyone hits it, it'll break. The sledgehammer's got a loose head. Again, it's just, just great planning for, for this guy. Yeah, I love it. The, this particular bit is... I'm actually not a big fan of the sort of, um, you know, not it's not really sexual, is it? But the sort of references to um, sexuality and stuff like that. But do like, uh, and I can sort of see where they're coming from here, but I do like all these bits of explaining, um, you know, <laughs> why stuff happens in horror films. And I love this bit about, what you were saying about about the sort of weapons as you were, which always break in horror movies, but I love the idea that they set up. And um, I don't know if, if, have they done, has he done a bit of cutting trees yet? Uh, that's just coming up oh, next. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so he points out next that uh, he has to eliminate as many exits as possible. So he, he basically just nails a, Doors closed, nails the windows shut. Uh, so they talk about, you know, wouldn't they just smash the window? He's like, well, you know, people don't really do that, surprisingly. Uh, it's not on the ground floor. So then they go up to the uh, the second floor and he's saying that, you know, he's cut all the uh, the branches of it. So if anyone does step on any, they'll just give way completely. Uh, then he gets on to the next phase of the plan. He says that once he's uh, killed the guys in the tool shed, that the the gang will regroup, then they'll find the first two bodies and they'll try to escape. But the cars will have been messed with and they'll leg it out to try and hide in the barn, uh, which is also when the Ahab will show up and they'll have their showdown and then move on. And then Kelly, before uh, she can be killed, uh, they have to force in some yonic imagery, which is the opposite of phallic. Uh, so that the survival girl can have some character growth and she'll go from a virginal woman to a woman on a revenge path. Uh, and then he also shows us a cider press, uh, which he says is going to hurt somebody tonight. Mm. So, yeah, we uh, we then cut to the evening and Eugene is, uh, is wishing Leslie a look. And Taylor, well, they just sort of ask him how to survive a situation like that. I uh, say stay away from a virgin, uh, run like a motherfucker, and don't fight or hide. And then we cut to Leslie getting prepared for the uh, for the final uh, the final battle, and he's basically rubbing preparation H all over his face, <laughs> saying that it uh, the tightens the blood vessels in and around the face, uh, which protects him from lacerations and swelling around the eyes, 
Uh, and it's also a fire retardant. Uh, you know, if anyone were to set him on fire. Mm. I like, and then I, I like again. It's all it's all wonderful um, setup stuff where you're like, oh, this is all very good. <laughs> I I just like everything about this film. Yeah, my review of this isn't going to be. You get to see. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> it's like, like you say, you know, it it just makes all those those other films, and, and it sort of dr- addresses all those head scratching plot hole moments where you just think, Well, you know, what? there's no way Michael could have survived that. It's like, well, well turns out he just did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh so well yeah, while he's doing that, Taylor asks him uh, about Leslie and he's saying, So much depends on Leslie. And it points out the paradox of you know wanting to kill her and needing to kill her, but also needing her to survive for his legend. And he also says that you know, he doesn't love her, but he loves the idea of her and what she represents and what she is to him. Uh, so then we move to the the night, the big night, and Leslie is with the cameraman and Taylor, uh, just in a sort of a closet in the house. Tells that there's eight kids in the house. Uh, they're all drinking, but thankfully not Kelly uh, because she's a good girl. And he's tinkered with the cars and he's saying, waiting uh, for the shaggers to come in and uh, begin the festivities. Uh, he always says that he lets them wait uh, and then get started because it's not worth ways to go. Yeah, not a bad way to go. <laughs> and that's exactly what they do. Uh, yeah, the shaggers get going and then. Leslie leaves the closet, kills them both. Uh, we don't get to see it. All we get is Taylor's reaction, and she's shocked for the first time. It's like I say, it's really happening now. And so Leslie comes back in. He sees them, sees what how they're looking, and he just ushers them all outside. And he says that Taylor has a "we can't let this happen" look. And he says. Yo, we're not going to see each other after tonight in any case because I'm either going to be dead, arrested or hiding or on the run. Uh, so let's just end it now. All right. It's begun. It's begun. Hey, Taylor. Hey. Hey, what's wrong? Get that thing out of my face. Just get it out of my face. How am I supposed to? I don't give a fuck! Hey, hey, Jesus. Hey. Okay, outside. Everybody outside. Go, go now! Why are you doing this? Because you have a look. What look? The we can't just stand here and let this happen look. I told you this is my night, okay? And the fact is, this can still go either way. After tonight, I'll either be in hiding, locked up, or dead. So the point is, we're not going to see each other after tonight anyway. We might as well just say our goodbyes now. And, yep, Taylor tries to talk him out of it. 
but Leslie tells it, look, he's chose to represent a counterbalance to good and they say they're good guys. Uh, Taylor decides that she can't let it happen and so they know what and how he's going to do it and then we get at the switch to the horror film again. Yeah, and this is the time when, um, you know, going back to what we were saying before, this is the time that I really don't mind it because the way they do it, the switch all the documentary recording cameras off and you get this sort of feels like sort of switch round where it's suddenly you suddenly dropped into a a slasher film and it I just I, I love the way that it works it works from here because um well I don't want to spoil it so you keep going and then I'll <laughs> Okay. So but yeah I I say with that switch I I just reiterate what I said earlier on it. Yeah it, it it makes sense logically in the film. And then like you said, you know, it kicks it up a notch. It's a slasher film now. And I think it's sort of where the comedy, well, I'd say the comedy's ended a little bit before this, hasn't it? But Yes. Yeah. But it's where uh, it, it's certainly where it stops being, it stops being any kind of, um, it's not a satire anymore. If that, if it is a satire, it's yeah, sort of is. it's just a straight up horror film yeah, at this point, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so Taylor and the cameraman, they go into the house and they find Kelly and she is shagging big time. <laughs> so, yeah, it turns out she's she's not a virgin after all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, she comes downstairs just to have an argument with them and, and basically ask them who the hell they are. Uh, Taylor tells them that, that they're all going to die. And uh, Leslie killed the the guy in the basement, which we hear the scream of. And while Leslie's, uh, sorry, while Kelly's telling Taylor this, they both see Leslie in the window. And now Leslie knows that Taylor's switched sides. Um, so they're trying to mess with his plan. And so they, they basically say, right, he's, they don't need to see the first kill yet. That's not supposed to come till later. So they take them upstairs to where the shaggers are supposed to be, but they're not there. Uh, so go to the tool shed and a couple of the kids get killed there. So they move back and regroup in the house, which is going very similar to the original plan <laughs> at this point. And they say, right, so they've messed with the cars, but he hasn't messed with that van. So they, they run there and that's where they find the original shaggers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the van also doesn't start. So they go back to the house again and they'll say, look, we'll protect Kelly. She's a survivor girl. Uh, so they're in the room and there starts to be a banging on the door. And Kelly basically says, fuck this, smashes a window on the second floor and tries to get out, steps on the sawn branch and falls down. And we assume that she dies. Hmm? And we see the body. It's pretty safe bet. She did. Uh, so they, they follow the plan again and they run to the uh, to the barn. And Todd, the cameraman, breaks off, tries to run away in a different direction, uh, but he gets killed. As so, I recall, well, they're in but, the... but Todd sort of Sorry. does he try? He tries to sacrifice himself, basically, doesn't he? Um, yeah, none of the others take that, heed. That's the idea where he's like, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice myself here. Um, and we haven't spoken uh, a lot. I, I didn't mention it. We haven't spoken a lot about the cameramen, but they are um, 
they, they get on really well with Leslie throughout the, throughout the film as well. So it's like, um, you know. Yeah, when, well, when Todd's being killed, he's basically saying, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm Todd. I'm, I'm the cameraman. Yeah. It's sort of pleading and it's sad, you know, rather than uh, sort of scary or anything like that. But yeah, also, you know, Eugene says that if you are going to uh, to run or, or stick together, just hope that there's a slower one in the pack. And, you know, Todd is the, the larger of the two cameramen, isn't he? And, you know, should I listen to Eugene? Should have. Uh, but while they're in the, uh, the rest of the team are in the barn, uh, it basically transpires that Taylor is a virgin and... Leslie has picked her as a survivor girl and this whole thing has been a setup for her. Twist. Uh, is it a twist? Sort of. Sort of. It was a master plan. He knew. <laughs> he knew before we started, before, before we even met. That's why he agreed to do this. He, he found me before we... Ever shot a frame? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I thought it was a bit of a twist at the beginning when I first saw it. I think I just wasn't expecting a twist. I think that's all it was. It's a bit of a twist. It's a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we we hear someone arrive, and yeah, when when he comes in, they uh, bash him with a. I think it's a fire extinguisher. Looked like it. <laughs> but it turns out it's it's the good doctor. Yes. And Leslie shows up again, gives a bit of a chase, and he uh, he kills the the other two members of the uh, the young people crew. Uh but the uh, the doc stops him from uh, chasing Leslie and the cameramen further. Uh but he gets stabbed for his troubles. They uh do get themselves away. Sorry, uh, Taylor gets herself away and she does run to the tool shed and she grabs herself a phallic weapon. <laughs> and like I say, she becomes this uh, this creature of vengeance. Uh, but Leslie gives chase, gets uh, a whack in the side with uh, with a rigged weapon for his troubles. Uh, but very cleverly, Taylor keeps hold of the handle after this because that's still a big wooden handle. It can do some damage. Exactly. And yeah, and then she uh, finally goes to the cider house and Leslie follows her and they have a bit of a scrap and Leslie starts choking Taylor, uh, which managed to pull Leslie's weapon out and stab him in the side with it. Uh, rams his head into the cider press and just like Leslie said, someone got hurt with it tonight and she starts to crush and he basically says, I always knew it was you, and then gets his head crushed some more. Yeah, she crushes him dead. And, and yeah, just to make sure, she uh, pulls out some uh, petrol, covers the whole place, and burns that side of house down. And then uh, she gets out of the house. She's met by Doc and the uh, the other cameraman. And yeah, that's it. They're done. They survived. Wonderful stuff. We uh, we then see the credits roll, mm-hmm. and we have a very lovely Talking Heads song through, uh, throughout with Psycho Killer. 
and uh, it's just the credits over the top of some CCTV footage of a mortician with a, a body on the slab. And then just as the credits end in, our friend Leslie gets himself up. Yeah. And and that is it. Un- unfortunately, never never gets a sequel. <laughs> no, I think they, they have been trying because it's, there's a letterbox listing for it. Uh, so I think the... I think they want to. The, the, I mean, certainly the uh, the hunger's there, but there might have been um, a comic book prequel. Um, maybe if uh, if we all rent and buy it off Amazon for, uh, for what we've been doing so far. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think it's pretty well known. Like, well, I don't know if it's because was this your first viewing? It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know obviously some people know it and obviously some people don't but i was it's high high on my list for um, horror movies because i'm i love the setup i love that to me to me i love the fact that leslie's so likable and then when it switches to a horror film it it switches as well and it proper it, it you don't get any more leslie apart from that very end bit where he says it was her it it's he he becomes that killer in that. He's always got the mask on, hasn't he? Always it? got the mask on. He's um, just switched off. You know, he's a Michael Myers or a Jason or something like that. And believable as it as well. It's not like you don't suddenly go, oh, it's just Leslie. It switches to Leslie Vernon, the the killer. And yeah, it, uh, it's just a very good slasher film. The back. I don't know how long it is, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, maybe not even as long as that. But when it switches to it, it it's just a great... So it's just, to me, it's a love letter, it's a love letter to slasher movies. I really love it. Um, but And it sounds like while you watched it, you were enjoying it too. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, I think we'll, we'll safely assume that you're giving that one a creative cycle. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I did. I did very much enjoy it. I got did get the feeling that uh, when I was thinking about how how to to rate it, I was, I was sort of in between the ooh that's scary and, and creative psychopath. Because mm. uh, I thought quite a lot of the ideas were very good on paper, and I, I don't think they quite got the uh, the execution. It, just right. I mean, maybe it's, but I don't really want to dig in on that in particular. You know, I think I'll say budget rather than anything else. Yeah. You know, I think the cast, the, the cast are all pretty good and it is directed well. Uh, but I think, yeah, talking through it, I think it's better than I, I probably put down when I was writing my notes. So I, I'm going to go for the creative psychopath as well. Good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so no way is it a, a, a bad film. I was I was sort of going for that um, sort of between three and four stars, but I think that no, it's better than that. Gets gets at least a a four star from me. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I was glad I'm re- actually really glad that I was able to introduce you to it as well because I think it'll you know. You've given it your review and that's fine, but I think uh, over time you'll probably recommend it to people as well because you'll think, what haven't they seen? And, um, you know, this does a lot of a lot of good good for slasher movies, I think. <laughs> um, it's, 
it's a movie for for the fans, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and what stands out, like I say, is the character the character specifically Leslie, but also uh, Eugene as well. Uh, Eugene and his wife are really, you know, very yeah, so likable. Um, and Eugene, the guy who plays Eugene's brilliant because likable and yet menacing. Um, you know, like you say, when he's chopping, yeah, when he's the chopping the that knife, carrot it's... and stuff like that, it's very menacing. And yet, like I say, and yet, as a couple, they come across as some sort of retired couple who, you know, <laughs> uh, are just nice people. <laughs> and I thought, I think what was interesting was that, that Eugene's wife, I think, was a survivor girl as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I always thought that I didn't quite pick that as a, as a, for definite. So I wasn't sure whether, mm. but it was, but it was hinted at. It was, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very nice, very nice touch on it as well. Mm. Oh well, I'm glad it was a creative psychopath. So, um, what's next? Facebook, I suppose. Well, I'd say Facebook comments as well. Yeah. Uh, Did we get any? So we we got well. Nikki uh, said that she hadn't seen it. So hopefully, this is, has encouraged us to do so. Uh, then we also have uh, Kyle. Uh, which says that it's not as well done as what we do in the shadows, uh, but I view it as a spiritual cousin to that movie and love letter to the slasher genre of the eighties and nineties and legitimately funny. Yes, that's a good review. I, w- I would, I would agree with almost all of that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we've also got Tanya asking uh, if I'm going to be the main host uh, and not just a backup dancer. And I like to think I'm doing both. So. Oh, main it's an audio medium, though, so you can't see me shake it. No. Still. But you have put a gif there of of, of, of someone dancing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I reckon... Uh, well, actually, I, I, do we give a bit of sizzle now, being that we've, we've spoken about a horror comedy? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Well, let's, yeah, so... It's not even sizzle, really. It's blatant... <laughs> Well, it's just here's what's coming up. Yeah. So yeah. Well, you actually mentioned the uh, the top five found footage films earlier, didn't you? So it. we're gonna do another. We're gonna do uh, the top five horror comedies. We are. At, at this time, we're gonna get somewhere between five and ten films, though, because we're both gonna do lists. We're both gonna do a top five, yeah. So yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I think we're gonna follow. We'll follow the same format as the top five. So we'll have a little chat about what we've been watching. Um, and we'll do that. And then we'll figure out a, another slice of bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, if you, it is going to be something that we'll uh, say we'll do once a month or so. So if you've got any uh, top five lists or topics you want us to cover, just let us know. Yeah, you can email us, creativepsychopathspod at gmail.com, or there is a Facebook group, Creative Psychopaths or Horror Movie Podcast. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll yep. post... And we'll, we'll post, put all the links in the uh, the notes yeah. as well. We'll post a topic um, on the Facebook group anyway. So, um, yeah, we, we want to hear everyone's top five, well, top horror comedies anyway. Um, so that'll be a, that'll be a treat. I'm looking forward to that episode. Um, I'll, I'd be surprised if we've got similar lists. Um, I reckon, I reckon we'll probably have a couple similar. 
Hopefully. I think. <laughs> Hopefully. I watched one of my favorites the other day and I was like, uh, this is a bit um <laughs> this is a bit problematic, this movie. It's still on my list, but not as high. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm going to save what, uh, yeah, what I've got for, for yeah, let's yeah, let's keep because there is some stuff that uh, I want to talk about before, but, so we'll save it for them. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on to the uh, the last slice of bread then now. So uh, last two questions, and what is a scary moment from a non horror movie that uh, you recall? Superman three. Um, I don't know if you've seen Superman three. But the uh-huh. the villains in that create a supercomputer that sort of decides to take um, a mind of its own, and it sucks in the sister of the of the main guy and turns her into a a robot. Like a anyway, it scared the shite out of me. It still scares the shite out of me now. <laughs> um, yeah, hate it. Not not good. <laughs> okay. No, that's uh, that's a good shout. And then, uh, last but not least, if you could make a non-horror movie a horror film, what would it be? God, this is the hardest question. I didn't even realize that how hard it was going to be. I actually thought about um, the only thing I could really come up with is was making Ghostbusters an actual scary film, dropping the comedy out of it, and actually having the ghosts be scary and. The situ the ghost catching situations be genuinely terrifying. I think would be a really really good um, would make for a really great movie. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it lends itself to it definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to go for Ghostbusters. Um, okay. Is Ghostbusters a horror comedy? <laughs> this is yeah. This is the crux of what we're going to have to uh, to, to distinguish because I'd say it's it's a comedy. Leaning on horror, as I hadn't even sort of, uh, hadn't even thought about it to be quite yeah. honest with you until. So um. it's like because uh, when I was was doing my list, I want I was thinking about American Werewolf in London, but I thought it was that was sort of the opposite way. Is that that's that's a horror that just Leans on has comedy, quite a yeah. lot of comedy in it. Yeah, I think. I think definitely when it comes to that episode that we won't, we won't worry about whether it is or it isn't. If you've got it on your list, we'll just, we'll just agree with each other. Yeah. That's, that's what I've, I've come to because yeah. I, I couldn't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll cover that. We'll keep his secrets. Uh, yeah. Keep his clouds close to his chest at that point. But yeah, I would love to see uh, Ghostbusters done as a, as an, a bona fide horror film. I think that would be great. Cool. All right. All right. Well, there's there's not all that much more then. You you've got your sandwich, you've got your off-brand pickle and uh, and brie. Gross. Nice. It is a horror. <laughs> you've ruined my sandwich, which as is tradition. Um right. So I suppose I better close us out then as I usually do. Um so okay. thanks very much to me for guesting this week. You're welcome me. Uh, you're welcome, Matthew. Thanks very much for doing the interview. That was uh, that was really great. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, I, I enjoyed having the power. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll give you the power again sometime. <laughs> um, because I think in the future, maybe we should do listener questions and we'll both answer them. That'd be fun. Well, again, some <laughs> more 
preview, we are going to be doing another episode. Well, the, the next normal episode is, is going to be a film of my choice again. So we're going to need some more questions. So yeah, actually meant send them in. Actually meant to mention that right at the top of the show that August is just going to be me and Matthew just um, yeah, getting used to each other as as hosts together. And, uh, uh, you know, so August will just be us. There'll be no actual guests. Um, and then if you've listened before, then September is going to be the September sleepover. Ooh, scary stuff. Um. So I haven't really closed out the show very well here. So um, no, we're just we're just telling you all the stuff that's coming up. Listen to it. Just rambling. It's not out yet, but listen to it now. <laughs> listen to everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, obviously, uh, give us a rating and review wherever you go. Check all the social medias that we've already mentioned. And uh, yeah, the last thing to say is bye. Keep it creepy. And stop. Nope, it didn't press stop.